everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 60, The Hidden Linux, recorded July 8th, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. This week, we're going to follow up on a uh, listener request uh, uh, in the Element OP forums by none other than Mr. Jim Beeson. Uh, he said, hey guys, how about doing a show about all the places where we use Linux and don't even know it? And we thought, that sounds pretty good. So that's what we're going to do. And to help me do that this week uh, are the uh, the triumvirate of Linux goodness. Uh, I'm joined this week by the command line godfather, Mr. Christopher Neves. Hiya, Chris. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. And, of course, we couldn't do a show without a little gooey goodness from the gooey kid, Mr. Seth Anderson. Greetings, fellow gooey lovers. So we've got the command line godfather, the gooey kid, and that guy in the middle. Uh, <laughs> welcome welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, Aaron isn't joining us tonight. It was nice having him the last couple of weeks, but uh, he's got other things going on. Yeah, just say it. He's a slacker. Well, you know. <laughs> he, he already officially abdicated from the show anyway. So uh, it's, you know, him being here was just a bonus. Right. Uh, I will say uh, I am that by this time next week, when, when next we are together. Actually, I won't be here next week, guys. When when oh. uh, just by the way, you're gonna have to do the show without me next week <laughs> because the reason I won't be here next week is I'm going to be in Texas. I'm flying back to pick up my family and uh, drive them out to Georgia. We'll all be together again. It's been a month since I've seen my family. And uh, as I'm sure I have alluded to many times uh, in the past, I am very much a family guy. And it's it's been very difficult for me to go this long uh, without them. Uh, I have finally gotten us a place to live. Haven't actually got the keys to it yet as of the date of this recording. That will be in a couple of days. Uh, But we'll be able to, we'll have a place to move into. I'm flying out to Madison, Wisconsin for some some, uh, job training. Then I'm flying straight from Madison to uh, Texas. And then the uh, moving van will show up next Monday, July 16th. And we will load up and then head, head out this way. So I'm looking forward to that. But I say all that to say this, uh, Mayflower Moving Company sucks. I want everybody, I want everybody within the sound of my voice to in some way publicly express displeasure for Mayflower Moving. Uh, Because over a month ago, we uh, contracted them to do our moving. I have a, a piece of paper with a signature on it from the agent that says this. This is not some misunderstanding. This is a legally binding document that says they will be at my house on July 16th. Uh, my wife called them uh, uh, Saturday morning, called the agent to uh, to verify uh, the, that they were going to be there because she hadn't heard back. And they said, oh, yeah, we don't have a truck available on July 16th. Uh, we can't possibly get there until the 23rd. Well, we've been laboring for like Whoops. the last six weeks on that date. That's the date that everything, that's the date I have the flight booked for. That's the date that we are moving out. That's the date. That's what's going to happen. And uh, and so we reminded them of the signed document and they said, yeah, well, I don't really care. We don't have a truck that week. So that left me uh, scrambling 
to find alternatives. And I will recommend, uh, at least based on my initial experience, um, the American Moving and Storage Association, uh, moving.org. Uh, if you ever need somebody, they're essentially the Better Business Bureau for movers. That's all they do. Their job is recommending movers to people. They screen them. They make sure they're good people. So I filled out a thing online, and they sent my application to the five top movers in my area who they thought would, would uh, do a good job for me. Um, that was late Saturday evening. Today, Sunday, I had heard back from all five of them. They were on the ball with that, and the first one that uh, that I got the call from, I was I said, yeah, let's just book it, let's do it. So uh, that is Summit Van Lines. I don't know Summit Van Lines. I've never heard of Summit Van Lines, uh, but they um, have a, a an A plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. And uh, if you look them up online, their ratings uh, on all the moving sites are between four and five stars. Uh, so I'm fairly confident with that, and. They are roughly half the cost of what Mayflower Movers uh, had quoted me, what we had already agreed to. So uh, if they show up, they win <laughs> just by showing up. If they show up, do a good job and cost me less, uh, then so much the better. But uh, Mayflower Moving sucks. Element OP Nation, I want you to go and make that known. Tweet it, Facebook it, Google Plus it. Let's start a hashtag Mayflower sucks, and let's let the world know that they should never do business with these people. That's my stumping. <laughs> that's my soapboxing for today. Well, at least for now. <laughs> for the moment, <laughs> yes. All right. Well, I'm happy to hear, Mark, that you got your family ready to go and everything's on the on the ball. But yeah, that sucks that you had a company that just dropped the ball like that. But it's not the first time I've heard of movers just dropping out on somebody yeah. so and for what i've heard this is uh, of course summer is always their busiest time but uh for what i've heard from a number of other people uh including real estate agents and everybody's that this is the busiest summer like ever like this is the year with all the recession stuff this is the year people are finally giving up uh and and relocating and selling houses and moving not just across town but across country and so they had the business to spare they lost us. It didn't matter. Uh, but I want, as much as possible, I want this to hurt them for years to come. Okay. All we can do is hope. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope, you know, we hope that nobody is directly re maybe related to Mayflower that listens to our show. And if they are, fix your company. Yeah. And and actually, one of the reasons we went with Mayflower, they were not the cheapest, but they were highly recommended. Um, and recommendations were. I mean, they, they got our business based on that. They lost our business based on sucking. Uh, so I want to, I want that machine to work in reverse as well, as much as possible. So anyway, enough about that. What else we got to talk about, guys? What's going on in your lives? Oh, not much. Other than um, I'm going to bring up the whole the day DNS will die, July 10th. Um, there was that really nasty virus that ran around the Windows Windows world there for a long time, and that if you are infected, you'll know on the 10th because you can't get anywhere, period. Because that's when the FBI shuts down the faulty DNS servers that you're pointing to. So make sure you go out to dns-ok.us and make sure your page is green so you're not affected by this. 
Yeah, just uh, to give some people some background in case they're not all up on the news like you guys are. Um, for years, um, malware has been taking over DNSs. And that DNS is the thing that turns the www.disney.com into 227.194.38.17. I just made that up. That's not Disney, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, that's what makes human-readable uh addresses into computer readable addresses and and malware has been taking that over that's common that's a common thing to redirect you to their spam site or to their hacker site or whatever um and what the fbi was doing for for like six years was they would commandeer these sites and they decided to keep them running and they're redirecting to the real places now instead of the of the scammer things uh and basically a judge somewhere said uh that's not the fbi's job stop it uh, this is oversimplified by a whole bunch, but I'm just breaking it down. Uh, so the, this is, uh, what was that date again, Chris? July 10th, July, on Tuesday. July 10th, Tuesday, um, is when the FBI is flipping the switch on all these things that have been bogus servers forever. So if you were infected, then this is how you will know it. <laughs> you, suddenly you won't be able to get anywhere on the internet. But yeah, they've provided a couple of uh, check sites where you can go and see if you're in, infected. And and it's, you know, mostly older um, Windows versions. Uh, I don't know of any of these things that have been affected uh, on Linux or or Mac. But uh, just just so you know, if, it, if it, not for our audience, but for your the people you support, your family tech support clients, um, there's a possibility that their computers are going to stop working on Tuesday, and that will be your first indication that uh, something's wrong. Yeah. yeah, and the second indication would be there's no security software on the computer at all <laughs> that has been updated in the last three years. Yes, yes, indeed. Because <laughs> pretty much any, I think even Microsoft Security Essentials would detect that for you. So. Well, I, I think they would check the DN. You know, they'll they'll definitely tell you if you're out of date, but I don't think they'll fix the DNS issue if you're you're already infected. Right. It just kind of lets you. Uh, well, I don't know. Um, maybe it would have prevented you. I don't know if any if if any antivirus can do that. I don't know if Windows would let them do that. Yeah, I don't think they. Well, I think has that's part too of their signature, level. I'm sure they can detect that this DNS entry right. is invalid. I I don't see why they wouldn't do that. But they yeah, don't you know, do host they, files they either. They so. set it at, you know. So they, that's the thing. They they wouldn't be able to set it to your ISP because they wouldn't know what your ISP is. Oh, right. Yeah, well, they they, that's just, just like the host automatic. file. They couldn't. Anyway, <laughs> everybody talked over everybody once, and so you just stopped. And, <laughs> and that's what we call dead hair, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That was funny. That, that's our awesome bandwidth connections coming into play. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you guys need to get real ISPs. I can say that because I'm using somebody else's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it. Okay. But the best I the best I can get is a one meg up. So I hope that's good enough. Uh, generally, for for Skype and things like this, people recommend two megs, but. Uh, one, yeah. you know, if one's what you can get, it's what you can get. So 128k at home, <laughs> probably. <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those things that the society has pretty much assumed everybody has broadband, 
without mm-hmm. everybody having broadband. I mean, Microsoft will release service packs that are hundreds of megs, and, and Apple's Apple will release service packs that are gigs, and they just assume that everybody can download it. But the fact is, there's still a whole bunch of the country and a whole bunch more of the rest of the world that does not have broadband at all. Well, in all broadband, like technically I have broadband, 256 down, that's broadband, that's high speed. Yeah, technically. But it is not high speed. It it gets you on the super highway, but you can't get off the shoulder. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, no HOE yeah, for you. Yeah, no, and the sad part, is, you know, it's like my my mom and dad like to listen to this radio station that comes on, and you you can't get it at our house at night, so they'll stream it. I, and I, I set it up for them, so all they have to go do is click the shortcut on the desktop, and it launches Internet Explorer and starts the stream. And I can tell when they do that. I'm upstairs downloading some distro or some update, or you know, I can't watch a YouTube video. I have to download it and then click play, <laughs> and all of a sudden it'll go from you know a 10 minute video that would take me 15 to 20 minutes to download, all of a sudden jumps up to 45, and I go, oh great, they're downstairs. Playing, uh, <laughs> playing solitaire and listening to KAAM, <laughs> the legends, where the legends live, and all of us, you know, and I can't do anything, so I just shut my computer off, or I just go to play free cell because that's all that's left for me. Yeah, and if you're in one of those areas, you know, I've been there. the The solution is like satellite, which is broadband but with extreme latency. And it's expensive, or you can do some local company that might do wireless or something. And generally, and they tend to have. be very expensive too. And generally, yeah, you know, it may or may not be good. Yeah, mine costs me forty dollars a month, and several times a week I have to go and unplug the uh, antenna because it runs PoE and plug it back up in order to work. But you know, forty dollars a month and satellite. If my choices were satellite dial up or no internet. My choice would be no internet because satellite <laughs> is just, it, it. it's not worth it. I would confess to killing Kennedy, uh, Abraham Lincoln, and the Twin Towers bombing uh, if I had to use satellite. What, uh, what did you have to pay for the initial uh, hardware? That's often a big deal with those wireless companies. you got to buy your antenna and stuff. Um, I think it was, it was, uh, one or two hundred dollars. I don't. It wasn't. It was expensive, but it wasn't like bend over expensive. <laughs> so, yeah, and I'm I'm as uh, much of a fiscal or political conservative as you can get on a lot of things, but I I might support a legislation that says we're going to make broadband. A, a public utility in the same way we did railroads and uh, the interstate system and just go ahead and use tax money to make sure everybody has five megs up and down yeah because they're already monitoring everything we do anyway so you know that's not an option anymore. <laughs> okay enough about that uh moving right along um nick shaw what do we have to say about nick shaw uh, that's from me. Um, I just have to give a shout out to him. Uh, I had a hangout with him. He's a developer of a program called D7, and I uh, he he does a, a hangout every once in a while. And he has probably one of the best window toolkit 
uh, programs that I have been able to find lately, it was well worth the money that I paid to license it. Um, so if you guys are win if you guys are still doing tech out of the house or tech at your business, take a look at D7. It does pretty much everything in one place. Yeah, I'm familiar with D7. It was, it was one of our Taiwan Tech links a long time ago, and it's a it's just an all in one toolkit for fixing. Like everything, wind socket errors or uh, registry fixes and pretty much anything you want to do. It's also powerful enough to really hose a system if you're not careful. Yeah. yeah oh, that's why sweet. I said it's a technician's toolkit. Um, I wouldn't give it to somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. But, you know, it's a great piece of software. And he's starting to do little hangouts every once in a while that he'll put up on his site saying, hey, I'm doing a hangout. And he'll answer any questions you ask him. So, I mean, I just figured I'd give him a shout out and say, hey. Thanks for a great job, and thanks for the hangout. Okay. Cool. Looks. Uh, I just glanced over their uh, website. Looks pretty cool. And Seth, seen any good movies recently? I did go and see Spider-Man yesterday, and I really, really enjoyed it. I was, I was kind of worried about, you know, I was like, what's the point? Um, but you know, because I was thinking the Toby, the Toby Maguire in his name, yes, Toby Maguire, yeah. I almost said Toby Keith, and that would have uh, offended the country and Western fans that listen to this show, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, I, I watched that, and you know, and I just was real—I really liked it. It was much more true to the comic book origins, uh, but kind of updated for modern times. And it was a very good movie. You should go and watch it. Yeah, I went. I went and saw it on the Fourth of July. And, uh, you know, I am world-renowned for being a cheapskate. I mean, I started this network with a show called The Tightwad Tech. I paid 17 bucks for one ticket to see it in wow. IMAX 3D, and it was worth it. It was that good a movie. I enjoyed it. Cool. I said, I went up to the, to the thing, and I just kind of shoved my credit card through the window. And, and it wasn't planned or anything. And I said, you know... I want to get into the next Spider-Man whenever it is. I don't care which one it is, just the next Spider-Man. And uh, he said that'll be $17, and I, I didn't really pay attention. And then I, I registered, and I went, what? How much? And he said, $17. <laughs> what, what, is that, what is that for? Do I get gold dust in my popcorn for that? And he said, well, that's our 80-foot uh, uh, IMAX screen in Dolby Digital uh, 3D. Uh, it's the the best we got. And I was like, when the movie comes out in a couple of months, I'll be able to buy it for $19. And you're charging me 17 to watch it once. Um, but other than the fact that the air conditioning was out in the theater and it was 85 plus degrees in there and I sweat oh. through the whole thing. Other Did than you get that, your money back? No, I didn't. Um, you know, it's not their fault the air conditioner's broken. I mean, I'm sure they would fix it if they could. Uh, but anyway, um, I digress. I enjoyed it. Uh, I agree with you, Seth. It was much more to the comic book origins. Uh, my complaint with the Tobey Maguire rendition of Spider-Man was he was too polite. He was too nice. And in the comic book, Spider-Man's Spider a real smartass. Um, and they really portrayed that well uh, in this movie. He's a, you know, he's a... Um, a jerk from Brooklyn, you know, he's that, he's that kid. Uh, and, uh, they, they, they did it well. I like that. Yeah. Good. I'm glad to hear they did it good. I can't wait till it comes here because I'll probably and, get it in three weeks. 
for those of you that don't know, it's a total, it's another reboot. It's a whole new origin thing. It doesn't continue with the other timeline at all. We're just starting all over again. Like every other Spider-Man movie, TV show or comic never happened. You know, I wonder if they're going to somehow tie him in with like, you know, they'll be like, he'll show up in the Avengers or something. Or that would be kind of cool if some of the characters kind of, uh, you know, you, you just saw some of the like supporting ancillary characters for a moment in some of the other movies. And all I got to say, I love the Stan Lee uh, cameo. Um, cameo. Yes. I thought it was awesome. Stan Lee's in every every Marvel movie. And, and uh, my favorite was when he played Hugh Hefner in uh, Iron Man. Uh, but this yeah, one was, was pretty, pretty good. good. Okay. Uh, no spoilers. We got through that without any spoilers. Uh, moving right along. Uh, any of you ever seen the uh, um, free video from the uh, Blender project called Sintel? Yes, well, I have. Now they've I made a video one. game based off of that, which looks darn cool. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen the video for this, uh, go spend your bandwidth bits uh, on it and download it. Considering it was done with open source software and free, uh, it's impressive. Very impressive. Yeah, every year the Blender Foundation commissions a, vi- a short film. Uh, and that was the one from 2011 or 2010. I don't remember which. Um, I think it was, was a 10 because it, they re-rendered it in 11. Right. So. The first one was Big Buck Bunny. And then was the Dream Machine, something like that. And then Sintel was the next one. Uh, all really good stuff and open source. I used to run it uh, when I was testing the video streaming stuff. That's what I ran because I knew nobody was going to sue me. Uh, but anyway, good video. And now they've made a video game out of it. So tell us about that, Chris. Yeah, it's, it's, still, in, it's still really raw. And it's in the beta form of it. Um, you actually load it in Blender. And that's when you get the game to launch is from the Blender program itself. So it's not ready, but it's still fun to, to download it and give it a run. Just Actually, to see they're what saying they're doing it's still it. an alpha form. They're not even calling it beta yet. Oh, is it? I, I missed that. I thought they said uh, I thought it was all. I thought it was beta. But okay, you, you caught me in a skim. <laughs> but yeah, um, I was really impressed with the fact that they're actually going to make this into a game. Uh, cool. Welcome to open source and welcome to software that kicks butt. <laughs> and that really shows the power of Blender, that it that they're using this program as the environment in which to not only develop the game, but play the game. And if you want to download yeah. it, it's a gig. So all of you people like me who live out in the country, forget about it. <laughs> spend, spend a couple of weeks uh, while your parents listen to AM radio online downloading it. Drive or ask one of your friends. Yeah, or go to Starbucks. But I was going to say, ask one of your friends and, and have them download it and put it on a DVD for you. That'd be faster. Probably. Yeah, they're calling... Uh, uh, they're saying that they demoed the, the pre-demo version... Um, I'm, I'm just skimming through the article. Uh, the game takes place within the events of the short movie, which was a, it's a good story. You should, you should check it out. Uh, the, without any spoilers or anything, the uh, synopsis is a warrior adopts a baby dragon, and then we'll go from there. Um, baby dragon gets taken away, and she goes on an epic multi-year quest 
to find the baby dragon. Yep. And that's all the farther we can go. Otherwise, it is a spoiler because it is such a short film. Right. So, yeah, I'm cool. looking forward to that. Uh, that'll that'll be something to play. I'm excited to, to try that just to, to just for the experience of playing a game inside Blender. I've tried Blender like four or five times. I've sat down just for a really concerted effort. I'm really going to try Blender. I'm going to wrap my head around this, and I have failed every time. Uh, it's yep. just not for me. I, I'm with you. Um, I just don't do that level of... of I want to say artistry, but I'm not sure if that's quite white. But anyway, um, yeah, I can't put my head around it either. So if you're a, a game developer or somebody who does 3D rendering like that, good on you because it's out of my league. Yeah, it's a little like trying to build a workbench by planting pinecone seeds. <laughs> and growing the trees and chopping them down and planing them and uh, getting your lumber and then making nails out of uh, a foundry yeah, you that you the, put uh, in your backyard. Digging the mine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you first have to develop fire to build the fort. <laughs> first, you have to invent matter. <laughs> <laughs> But for for those for people who are into that sort of thing, uh, what I hear is it's a world class tool. Uh, it's just it's just beyond my scope. Which is probably why it's beyond our scope, is we just don't think that way. Right. Yeah, I'm more of a. I'll try to fix it if it's broke, but don't ask me to design anything. So our friends over at Valve, who do, uh, speaking of video games, who do uh, all of their wonderful uh, Steam games, um, in their poking around, have found a bug in the Linux kernel itself. Yep. So it's not it's something that they couldn't fix themselves because they don't have the Linux developers. So they ended up handing it off to some NVIDIA developers that are Linux guys. So at least it's getting done, and it's nice that they found it and reported it. So now even, you know, maybe we'll get some better support for graphics and, and video games in the kernel level it, for the, the graphics drivers to attach to. Now, the, there is a patch available, but as I'm understanding it, as I read this article, it hasn't yet been rolled into the kernel. So right. if you have this bug that you want fixed, you have to apply the patch yourself for now and recompile. Well, and it should, you know, and I wouldn't be, except for the fact that the kernel is so far ahead right now, I think uh, Linus released 3.5 something this weekend, so it, it's it's going to be a while before this kernel, this fix gets in, implemented into the kernel. Well, and just yeah. to so point the, out, the it is with was... the NVIDIA Linux drivers, and we all talked about how right. awesome NVIDIA is with Linux last week. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. The, the reason it came to bear is because they're a video game manufacturer, and this is a video driver issue, uh, so... But that's kind of cool. So if you if you totally can't wait and you're one of those guys who likes to uh, compile your own kernel, <clears throat> uh, <Wow>. then you're you're <laughs> you're good to go. Otherwise, uh, maybe you should just live with the problem a little longer. So hey, you well, who's I'll, running Archbane, listening to us, this is right up your alley because <laughs> <laughs> you're all about everyday Linux for the masses. Yeah, I'll just Sorry. smile and go thumbs up because I didn't hear any of that because yeah. of my bandwidth yeah. issue. <laughs> if you're, yeah, if if you look at the Debian uh, base install and say that's too simple for me, I want something more complex. 
then uh, this whole process is for you. Actually, I've heard just that compiling quick- your own kernel isn't hard. I've just never tried it. Oh, okay. That answers my question. I was going to say, Mark, have you ever tried to roll your own kernel before? No, I never have. I've I've run into things before, like, you know, your wireless adapter might work if you recompile your kernel. And instead, I went to Walmart and bought a new wireless adapter for 20 bucks. Um, that was <laughs> that was worth it to me. I've tried to repile, recompile my kernel from scratch. And uh, if you have a good walkthrough, a, you know, a holding hand manual, it isn't too bad. So, um, but yeah, if I try to do it from by memory, I think I'd probably hose my system pretty well, but that's why you keep extra kernels installed. And speaking of extra kernels, <laughs> I love that. And speaking <laughs> of kernels, um, a phone system that uses the Linux kernel, our favorite uh, Android, um, has has been the target of a botnet. We've talked about botnets often in the Windows world, uh, and there's some evidence that there is a an Android botnet infecting phones and using phones to send spam email. Now, first of all, this was um, broke by a Microsoft security researcher. So, you know, it's one of those, I don't know how much of it is hype and how much of it is true, but um, you know, the reason I was, what got me, why I went ahead and put this in the show notes is I was talking today at church to someone who they have an Android and they were commenting about how they had their phone charged overnight and it was already down a third of its battery life. So if you have an Android phone and you notice that your battery is going down faster, there are several antivirus apps that are free. I think like AVG has a free one. Uh, Some of the other reputable companies have free antivirus apps for Android. Maybe go download one and run it and see if you find something because if, if your phone seems like it's always active now and it wasn't before and you're not doing anything different, your phone might have become a vic- might be a victim of a botnet and it, they might be using you to send out email to everyone else. So, uh, you know, your phone is now telling people to buy Viagra online really cheap and stuff like that. Now, just to so, put this in perspective, this is not the phone itself. This wasn't a drive-by thing where somebody uh, visited a website and the Android OS got infected. These are rogue apps. So somebody downloads what they think is uh, a flashlight app or a fart app, um, and when you install it, it says uh, this fart app needs full access to all your network stuff. And you say, okay, I don't care, because we're programmed to say, okay, I don't care, Anytime that thing comes up, uh, and so this app is, you know, pr- uh, doing one thing for you. You know, it really is an app that really does something. But what it also does on the back end is, you know, a nefarious thing. So you know, let's put this in in perspective. The Microsoft guys will want to say that that uh, Linux, uh, excuse me, that the Linux kernel inside Android is hacked and you're infected. That's not the case at all. This is a rogue app that has been downloaded and installed. Uh, with user consent, it's not a not a drive by download. Um, that's uh, that's what they're talking about. You muted right. yourself, Chris. We're not hearing you. Which is why uh, there's a lot of people that will, you know, that's why I'm always so big about people not running as root. You know, if you're not running as root, you get those pop ups. You have to issue your password so you don't have to worry about it. 
Right. Of course, I I have a a rooted phone uh, because I'm a power user, but also I, you know, check the apps that I do. And I have a tool, uh, if you're an Android guy, uh, and if you're rooting your phone, and if you're downloading suspect apps, let me recommend an app called LBE Privacy Guard. Um, It uh, lets you sandbox, it lets you control on a per app basis uh, every, you know, what every app does. I'm not saying I would ever do this, but for example... Say you want to play Angry Birds without seeing all the the banner ads, you can simply tell LBE Privacy Guard that uh, Angry Birds doesn't have internet access, and uh, then you'll never it'll never download those and you'll never never see them again. Not that I would do that, but other people might be so inclined as to do something like that. <laughs> sure, <laughs> LBE Privacy Guard. Uh, okay, moving right along. While we're in the, uh, <laughs> in the realm of phone stories, uh, Nokia is considering suing Android or suing Google. What's up with that? Well, N- Nokia, they really haven't said they're going to sue. They've just noted that Google has not um, licensed any Nokia technology for their upcoming Nexus 7 tablet. Um and so Nokia, who, by the way, is in the back pocket of Microsoft these days. Right. So, yeah. And again, from what I've read, they've uh, from a uh, communications personnel at Nokia, we've made no such allegations of infringement against the Nexus 7 and goes on to talk about Nokia and their licensing agreement. And they haven't speculated about legal strategies going forward, but they did kind of let everyone know that, hey, um, Google and Android uh, for this new thing that they're producing, neither them or Asus, which is the company that Google's making this through, they've not licensed our stuff. And we're not saying we're suing them. We're just saying that they haven't licensed our stuff. Yeah. Oh, by the way, there looks to be some stuff in there that we might own and nobody's asked for any uh, licensing yet. Just and by the if, way, ahem. Yeah. And if we don't own it, it's probably close enough. We could sue you, but we're not saying we're going to sue you. Right. So. You know, because, I mean, you know, it's just, um, I guess they, well, who wouldn't want a piece of a possible large pie? Um, <laughs> All right, we uh, we got a bunch more news stories in the docket, but we're 35 plus minutes in here. So I'm going to uh, uh, call that the news story, except for one thing that I uh, wanted to uh, to bring out that I thought was kind of cool. Um and we'll uh, we'll cover the rest of these notes at another time. That's the nice thing about Linux links. We can just roll them over from week to week. Um, but something I saw on, on uh, Google Plus today, this is a, a ZDNet article for a computer called the WOW. I say it that way because there's an exclamation point after the name. The WOW computer um, is called the Computer for Seniors. It's an all-in-one uh, touchscreen uh, like uh, uh, an Apple iMac or a, a Dell uh, Inspiron, all, you know, one of those all-in-one sort of things. It's got a keyboard and a mouse that are wireless, uh, but it's a, it's a touchscreen device running Linux, and it's geared at seniors. Uh, one of the uh, lines that I liked uh, in the thing is... Uh, I'm going to try to find it here. A computer designed for you, not your grandchildren. And it's easy to read, easy to set up, and easy to use. Um, 
and it's running a, a Linux kernel. It's a, a derivative of uh, Ubuntu that they're running. The, the, the company that's making it is called First Street Computers, and they specialize in products, quote, for boomers and beyond. Hmm. Wow, it's I an thought it's like computer. it's running tiny core Linux under the hood. And so what it says, uh, it says the reason they chose to use Linux is because it's uh, bulletproof, basically. Uh, it says, uh, quote, one of the many benefits of using Linux-based uh, operating platform is that it's highly secure. Most computer viruses out there are targeted at computers running Windows and as such cannot infect uh, computers running a Linux operating system like a WoW computer. We provide, quote, server-side virus protection on our end for an extra measure of safety and security. Hmm. So it looks like... computer. Yeah, it looks like this is not designed for us country folks who don't have... It it almost looks like they're kind of it being a cloud-based OS, or at least partially. Uh, So if you live out in the country and you don't have good high-speed internet, this may or may not be for you. Well, I wonder if it's going to go if, if like we just had a question about from Professor Messer. Yeah, it could be um, that everything's routing through the the Wow Company or whatever the the what was that First Street Company? First Street. But I would guess it's more along the lines that they're the repositories for all the software, right? And that anything that you install has to go through their servers, which is why they can scan it to make sure it's okay. Yeah, I don't think this is like uh, buy a computer, use us as your ISP. That's not how I read that. I read that as uh, the only way to get stuff is through our software store, and we're making sure that no bad stuff gets in there. Well, but we're just reading text, and we all know how the, what the limitations of text is. Yeah, we're in other yeah. words, we're making crap up. <laughs> but yeah, I just so thought that, that was interesting. Yeah, don't buy it for your grandma who lives out in the country uh, unless you, you know, you take a look at it first and see because I'd, I'd hate for them to, but it doesn't work, you know, because it's designed for a cloud-based OS and that's not possible where they live. So just something yeah, so- to look into. Just looking at the picture there, um, it looks like maybe a 19-inch monitor with a a menu system on the side uh, where you tap a button for video chat, and you tap a button for email, and you tap a button for uh, weather, and you tap a button for web. Uh, so it's it's designed with it's uh, it's an appliance. It's not a it's not something you're going to crack apart and do anything with. Uh, it's it looks like it's pretty highly locked down, but that's what they need. Um, they need uh, people who, and I don't mean old people need it. I mean people who are not tech savvy and have no interest in being tech savvy, whether they're eighty or eight. Uh, you know that that's the that's exactly the kind of system uh, that we've uh, that we've been talking about here on the show when we talk about grandma approved. This might be the GUI kit approved too. So it does not seem to have an abundance of command line necessity. So probably not. But the price tag would turn a lot of people away. From what they're saying, it's estimated to be about a thousand bucks. Right. Well, which is you know for a nineteen-inch machine, that's that's market ready. I mean, that's what you're going to pay for that that kind yeah. of computer. Uh, you know, you're comparing it to an iMac. That's the that's the demo, the uh, the comparison they're going at. And if you factor in the money you will save by not having to tie up your time to support them every time <laughs> they break something in their computer, you know, it's actually a bargain. It's like you're getting it for free. 
So I wonder if the, I wonder if I could open an SSH shell to it though, and and do it from my house. That would be uh, make me happy. <laughs> well, I mean, it's Linux in the core, right? So you you whatever you can do in Linux. Um, the I question would, be is, is is can you get to the bolts enough underneath to turn on SSH? Uh, there's a way. Geeks find a way. The <laughs> command line godfather would find a way. That looks like a machine I would buy my mom. It really does. Uh, it's yeah. it's like a desktop iPad. You know, it's it's kind of that that um, motif. It doesn't do a lot, but what it does, it does simply and and does well. Yeah, it looks like it looks like a nice little system, though. I, I will I will admit to that. Okay, so moving right along to the actual topic at hand. 40 oh. minutes into the show. Do uh, we have that? Oh my we, goodness, we, we really do? We do, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the the embedded Linux. So I've broken these into three categories. The obvious, the not so obvious, and the truly hidden. Uh, and we can argue as to where these go. And uh, chat room out there, you can uh, uh, chime in if, if we've left something out. But uh, So going with the obvious, where the everyday Linux, um, hey, that would be a good name for a podcast. We need to consider that. Yeah. Uh, but where people are running into Linux every day is on their phone, uh, specifically Android, uh, is um, Linux-based. And, uh, you know, it's it's heavily um, modified. It, you know, there's lots of Java and all that stuff in there. But essentially, you're carrying a Linux computer w- around with you everywhere. And since something like 6 million devices are activated every day, uh, there's a lot of Linux in people's pockets. Which is a good thing. And I would agree with that. It's the obvious Linux point. Which also would then bring us to the next one, though. Um, pretty much any web server that you ever get to online is going to be probably Linux-based. Yeah, there's some uh, other stuff out there. There are some people who run uh, IIS. And uh, there's some... I'm sorry. I, and by, I'm in counting, counting, by the way, uh, BSDs and all those. I'm calling those Linux even though they're not, and they would argue with me. Uh, but for the purpose of this show, I'm calling all of those devices Linuxes. Anything that is a Unix um, derivative. And well, in by that, that case, you just got Apple. Yeah. Right. That's what I was about to say. By that definition, everybody who owns a Mac is using, using Unix. So maybe we shouldn't say Linux. We'll say Unix. X. The INX. Nix, yeah. Nix, N-I-X. <laughs> anyway, uh, continuing and, on. And among um, the not-so-obvious ones, uh, one that we've talked about here a couple of times before, the military is moving to Linux in lots of places. Uh, we did a couple a new story a couple of weeks ago about uh, the, a new system they've set up for all their drones, uh, airborne and otherwise. Uh, so there's lots of military applications that are, are running on Linux every day. And happily, I'm sure. Especially since uh, Red Hat and Fedora have uh, that, they're pretty much military approved. So, right. And it's a system designed for security from the ground up. That's one of the things it was built. Uh, one of the, the ethoses. Is that the way you say that? Is that the plural of that word? <laughs> one of the original so ethics of, of Unix <laughs> was security. Uh, and then other media devices, 
all over the place. Your television very likely runs uh, some version of Linux. Your TiVo, your Boxy, your yep. Roku, uh, those cheap DVD players. Uh, the, all those devices out there, uh, th- some of them are just running you know, hardware-level software on a chip, but if there's anything you can upload a module to, if there's anything you can update in any way, it very likely runs a Linux kernel at its core. Yeah, I would almost guarantee that. Almost all of the Boxy boxes and TiVo boxes I know those ones for sure, probably and Roku as well. Um, those are all running some form of a, a Linux Unix shell. So, yeah, there's a uh, there's also you know Microsoft has their Sync software. I know that there are projects to get a similar thing up and going in the Linux and open source realm as well. I don't know how far along it is, but I know there are projects like that in development. Yeah, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I have long suspected that a lot of nav systems built into luxury cars are running on a Linux kernel. I think it would make sense if they are. I guess we'd have to get a hold of the OnStar guys and see what their uh, their base is. Because yeah. that would be the ones that you'd be getting, needing to get a hold of to find out if they're running um, a, a Unix or some sort of Unless they're running a proprietary code, they could be running some sort of embedded OS that they've developed in-house, too. Yeah, you could, but my reason for thinking that they're not is that's such a small add-on, you know, in in your car, that's, a you know, like a $300 add-on. It doesn't make a lot of sense for them to go out and design their whole, their own OS for that, to design their own chips. Uh, they might be running like Windows embedded, Windows CE, uh, but you know I've long suspected um, that they're probably running some sort of Linux kernel in those devices, your, your GPS devices and things like that too. Well, I, yeah, Professor I would Nestor say- in the chat room says that in-flight entertainment systems on airplanes uh, run Linux. Well, that explains the emulator that I played on the way back from Australia then. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then one that uh, is somewhat, um, shall we say, rare uh, is WebOS. Palm, you know, they sort of bet their uh, future on this new operating system that they built. Unfortunately, it was a losing bet. Uh, but WebOS is still out there, and it's uh, it's a Linux, a Unix, a it's an X uh, thing out there. So there are some tablets out there that are not Android that are running Linux-based as well. Or if they are running WebOS, they might be running a form of Android by now. Right. And then yeah. around the office, if you've got a copier, one of those copiers that can fax and scan and send emails and all that, I'd be willing to bet more money than I have that those are running a Linux kernel as well. Which most people wouldn't wouldn't realize until someone slapped them beside the head with it. <laughs> So should we go on to the truly hidden stuff, or should we see if we can dig out any more not-so-obvious ones from the chat room? Come on, chat room. What else do you got? So I I called some of those the not-so-obvious, and the reason I said that is because if you look at the way they behave, you can see that it's Unix-like in a lot of the ways. Like um, when you turn on a copier, 
the boot segment or one of those fa- fancy printers, the boot processes looks Unix-like. If you if you once you recognize it, once you know what to look for, so I call that you know it's not totally hidden because you get to see that sort of stuff. And like uh, when you go into uh, like a, a work group laser printer, when you go into the TCP/IP settings, you know that that's pretty much IF config, and you can you can recognize that once you dig into the guts of it. But then you get to the truly hidden stuff, the stuff that you can't touch, um, and that would be like the in-flight entertainment systems. Uh, the only way you're going to know that is if they crash and that's how we learn these things a lot of times i learned that the the gas station across the uh, town from where i used to fill up often the those machines were run on linux and i knew that because it crashed one day and it had a a a, a grub error on the screen (laughs) that's funny (laughs) yeah i've seen that i've seen the grub error on lots of things um there was a kiosk that i was going to in one of the airports um, when I was flying around, that when it, it it crashed, and so the guy came over and unplugged it and plugged it back in, and there was the grub boot loader. So it's like, oh, I know what you are. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about all of them, but uh, in the town where I used to live, uh, those little entertainment systems at McDonald's were Linux-based. And again, I knew that because I saw one boot up one time. And you can see those telltale dots going across the screen as it boot up. And then it got to their uh, proprietary interface, and you couldn't tell it anymore. Uh, but, you know, pretty much embedded stuff is either going to be Windows CE or Linux. Just that's that's a, a, a blanket statement that, of course, all blanket statements are false, including this one. Uh, but it's a it's a good guess that those are those are the things you're going to be running just because most people aren't going to take the time to write their own. Now, where they should take the time to write their own and sadly they don't is at bank ATMs. Bank uh, ATMs and most POS systems are Windows based. I used true. to work for I used to work for uh, NCR, which used to stand for National Cash Register. And, you know, it was just, it was a Windows computer with uh, just, you know, a different screen and a different, um, like, file manager thing. But it was it was running Windows. And, you know, of course, during class when they're training us on how to work on it, I got tired of listening to the guy drone on and on. So I went into the accessories and I installed the games. And so I got through his <laughs> lecture playing the built-in games on Windows uh, on my cash register. So. That's awesome. <laughs> nice. Now, uh, but they're on my list there because I have seen uh, pictures on the internet. I've seen evidence that some of them uh, are, in fact, running uh, Linux or Unix-type kernels. But you're right. For the most part, they're running Windows. I have seen evidence at the, the at eight bank ATMs where there's a, a Windows you know, little error message popped up over the ATM. And, and when I, it makes me want to run for cover when I think about that. This is a networked Windows device running from the looks of the dialogue error, Windows 2000. And I trust these people to, to keep my money safe. That does not inspire confidence. Yeah. It, it, it should not thing. in any way inspire confidence. Uh, it, it's ridiculous how lacks security is at financial institutions. Now, if you want to use financial software and be like PCI compliant, you have your company basically has to sign over, you know, their entire self-existence, but the banks are not bound by the PCI regulations they force on everybody who uses their software. And it's it is pretty scary how little security there is uh 
protecting your money to everyone who's listening to this show. Um, yeah, you know, yay! Just be, let's go know, run out and uh, let's call it, let's cause another bank you, rush. Let's go empty our bank yeah, accounts. When everyone's out to get you, paranoia is just healthy. So, yeah. So I'm gonna go uh, withdraw all my money and bury it in a tin can out in the backyard. And frankly, I wouldn't gain any less interest if I did that. The way things are going right now. <laughs> That's a sad thing. I expect any any day now that I'm going to get a bill for my CDs. You now owe us 3%. God, that um, would suck. And then probably the the geeks, it's not so hidden for the geeks, but for the for the average users, pretty much every router, hub, switch, firewall, uh, any smart device for networking or security on the planet is running a Linux kernel. Right. Now, I would agree with that, especially if you're if you're one of the guys who likes to tinker with your Linksys routers and you install something like the DDWRT or Tomato firmware, you are now replacing one Linux version with another Linux version to get all those extra goodies. Yeah, so if you've got one of those big, like, uh, uh, spam filter at your your business, you know, the, this mail gate or, or web gate or whatever, that is a probably a 486 processor running a Linux kernel on a flash drive, and they charged you tens of thousands of dollars for that. Uh, all those smart routers that Cisco uh, sells that are, you know, that are three and five thousand dollars a piece uh, are running Linux kernels. Yeah, customized, highly customized Linux kernels, but they are Linux kernels. Yes, uh, of course. What you're paying for there is the hardware, for the most part, or the name. Actually, most of the time you're paying for the name. This says Cisco yeah. on it, therefore it's very expensive. Yeah, there was a. Um, I know uh, talking to the Cisco guys where I work, and they were talking about how Cisco recently updated. Uh, one of their routers because there was this generic part for $30 that would fit in it. But to get the part with the, where they put the Cisco name on it and it's the exact same part was over a hundred and they recently <laughs> updated their router software where it would not recognize the generic part anymore. And so you had to buy the Cisco and which was the exact same. It had all the exact same specs. It just had some little Cisco chip on it that recognized it. So fun, fun stuff. And like Typical. unto it, not only digital networking, but the the public switch telephone network, or POTS, uh, as it's known. And any phone call you've ever made, cellular or landline, in your life, most likely went over a Linux kernel at some point in the in the process. Uh, from the early days of um, networking, uh, once they got once they went digital, you know, in the early days it was all hardware and transformers and stuff. But once they started digitizing stuff, they did it using uh, Unix-like systems, and they're still all over the place today. Well, wasn't it uh, Bell Labs that developed Unix originally, or one of the phone company research groups? I can't remember which one, but yeah, I'm 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 blanking on my history right now. But yeah, it was a it was a uh, a business entity that did it, uh, and a communication entity. So yeah, um, that that stuff is all over the place. If you've ever placed a phone call with from an and if you've made a phone call from your iPhone, you were using Linux. You just didn't know it. Or even back when you had the little Motorola brick phones, you're still using Linux or Unix. 
<laughs> yeah, the old bag phone that I used to have uh, at some point in that process because it was a, del- a, a cell phone. Um, any, as soon as they went digital, uh, for even even for a long time in the analog world, but the moment they went digital, uh, there was lots of stuff because that's going over the same stuff that we just talked about. The routers and the hubs and the switches. Uh, there's re- data is data, bits is bits, as they say. So uh, yeah, that that's the what I consider the most invisible Linux use at all. Anybody who's ever made a phone call has used Linux. They just don't know it. chat room do you have anything else that's our list that's uh, what i came up with uh any other ideas for uh for hidden anything we've uh overlooked do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> well while they're thinking uh, i will tell you that uh if you listening have an idea for something that we uh forgot you can do what jim beeson did to start off this entire conversation and you can contact us over at elementop.com click over in the forums uh reply to an existing thread or create a new thread and say hey guys you left out x y and z or hey guys i'd like to see you uh do a show on this sort of thing <laughs> jim's in the chat room right there right now says was that me yes it was jim i can show you the uh the article you posted um, oh, and I totally forgot, but we had a voicemail from Door to Door Geek. Um, and while Chris is doing his command line tip, I'll see if I can come up with it real quick. Like. <laughs> All right. So my command line tip this week is a fun one. It's called Fortune. Um, if, if you've ever logged in, you know, like uh, it's based on the idea of a fortune cookie. So like if, if you... Type the command in for into your Linux system and say as long as it's installed and it'll puke out some sort of memorable quote. Um, some of the ones that I always like to install are from the uh, BOHF excuses line, um, and if though I'm not going to dig into deep about what that stands for, other than I'll post it in the just uh, Google it. Uh huh. Just Google it. You'll find it. Yeah, just just Google it. Um, it's a great little site. Um, I have lots of fun, and I like to possibly use those excuses every once in a while. So uh, <laughs> have some fun with it, guys. But, yeah, the fortune thing is a nice, fun thing to do. And if you've ever installed um, uh, Linux Mint, when you open up the command line, that's what's giving you that little funny quote and the, little pic- and the picture that goes with it. All right, and with my setup here, my temporary setup, I do not have a way to patch in a phone call. And so, Dor, I'll catch you next time on that. Um, but he was referring, referencing something, and now I don't even remember what the phone call was about. Sorry. But we, I did get it, and I'll get it on the, on the show next time. Uh, Seth, Mr. Anderson, what is our uh, end user tip of the week? Well, this was a cool website I came across. It is the Live CD List, and um, it is just livecdlist.com. You can go there, and it tells you, and I doubt this is all of them, but it tells you many different live CDs and kind of what they're about. For example, there's one called Tells, and the purpose of it is having a secure desktop. So this is like the tinfoil hat guy that you know might be interested in the tells or he might already have the tells live cd and it tells you the last release of that so like if you go down to the bottom there's some of them 
like there's one called Repair Licks, and the last release of that was 2000. So it's probably not very up to date. But um, as you get up to the top of the list, like Tiny Core Linux was last released in uh, July, so this month of 2012. And it so it tells you what it is. Uh, Clonezilla, and it's used for system administration. System Rescue CD is used for rescuing systems. And so it's just a pretty cool list. Um, you know, there's some different things in there about science, about robotics. There's some for education. Um, anyway, so if you're like, I wonder if, uh, you know, if you come up with some weird name and you want to see. I heard somebody talking about blank. You can check out Live CD List and see what it's about. And that's uh, simply livecdlist.com. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a neat little list. I, I like it. Um, I wish I'll have to dig through it a little deeper to see if some of my some of the old distros I used to run are still on there. Yeah, see, like, yeah. they even have, like, Gparted has a live CD, but I personally, yep. I would never get that CD because that's totally contained within Puppy. And so right. when I want Gparted, I pull up Puppy um, because, you know, just it's a puppy and it's cute I, I guess. <laughs> but so you know just because you know there and they just there's a lot of different ways of doing things so um, anyway just my i guess i'm up to three cents on that topic now all righty then uh so that's it guys any other comment i already mentioned the um contact us uh give us a phone call 559 i am uh or um uh, Go over to elementopi.com and uh, uh, use the contact us button or uh, leave us a voicemail, uh, which actually what I just said there. Give us a call or right there on the on the front page of the website. Uh, you can click the uh, um, leave us a voicemail button and Google Voice will call you. Uh, continental U.S. and Canada only. Sorry, our friends over in UK and Botswana. Uh, you Botswana listeners out there, you're going to have to, to fork out your own dime to do that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Uh, but anyway, uh, anything else, guys? Oh, feedback. Keep the show topics coming. We need them because we are poor and incapable of coming up with things on our own and have been, frankly, for quite some time now. Yeah, pretty much. Well, yes. it, yeah, that's pretty much it. Chris started to defend himself and then realized he just couldn't. No, I can't. <laughs> uh, anything else, guys, before we wrap it up? No, I think I'm good. Unless you guys want me to say something more about fortune. <laughs> no, I can break up some more if we need to fill time. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, chat room, thanks for being with us. Uh, thanks for your uh, comments and your participation uh if you want to listen live uh and join the chat room that at least for now uh this happens at 9 p.m eastern time on every sunday evening uh we stream it live over at elementopi.com slash live you can watch you can interact you can be part of the show uh so thanks everybody and for now i'm gonna say that concludes this episode of everyday linux everyday linux